Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to My Big Idea, an ASOS podcast. I'm Naomi and today I'm speaking with Cam Sandu of Real Media. Real Media is a cooperative of journalists dedicated to public interest journalism and challenging mass media distortion. Here's Cam's big idea. Hello, welcome to ASOS. Cam. Hi. Um, you're here to tell us a little bit about your um, big idea, which is realmedia.press. That's the one, yeah. Is that right? So um, do you want to just start straight off by telling us um, what what is Real Media and what kind of projects are you involved in putting on with that? Uh, so Real Media is a cooperative of journalists who are fighting for public interest journalism and also trying to combat mass media distortions. That's kind of misconceptions and narratives that are wrong and possibly quite destructive uh, that exists in, in media at the moment. So can you give us um, an example of that? Um, maybe one of the areas that you've done that you put out a lot of articles about that's kind of sure um, putting forward an alternative to the... Well, one of the things that I actually really started on was welfare. And it's interesting because just yesterday they released the UN report into violations of disabled people's rights and found that government policy has kind of breached this. But it's also highlighted the fact that um, kind of negative narratives and... Um, kind of stigma attached to disabled people and benefit claimants have contributed to the way they've been treated and also some of the hate crimes that have have, have risen for benefit claimants so that's kind of the power of 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 what those narratives can do making life harder for people exactly not just the fact that there's misinformation yeah yeah what kind of format are you doing the journalism in it's quite a few different avenues that you use right yeah yeah so we're definitely going for a multimedia approach we we kind of start i started out writing um but as we've got a team together we're kind of creating a number of series of um, projects and different subjects so for example we're about to start something to to do with demystifying finance because of the way that we don't really understand what banks are doing we know that they're doing something wrong and we believe that's kind of um that's been missing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, in the, and the whole complex way that they speak about finance is totally different to, example, how they speak about benefit claimants or, or, or welfare claimants. Um, but we know that there's something vastly wrong with, with finance. So we're trying to demystify it, speak about it in plain English. Try and um, We're going to do a podcast series on that and also a series of interviews with really interesting people. We uh, just did one, actually, with David Malone, who's a Green Party candidate, and... He wrote an article about money laundering and how it was actually done, and it was spiked at the last minute by the bank who had a kind of relationship with the organisation. I believe it was it was Reuters. So, talking about all these things and why these stories. So don't he was get actually out. commissioned to do that for a mainstream news agency, and yeah. then 
he wasn't able to do that because he was kind of censored. Yeah, I mean, we just... Uh, by the banks themselves. Pretty much. He said that um, kind of the day or two before it was about to go out, he received a letter from his editor saying, you know, this is not going ahead. He then said he was going to offer it as um, for people to, to like email him and, and get a copy of it, but he was phoned and told that he would lose his house if he went ahead and did that. So you've, you're putting out a lot of alternative... Um, journalism on things like welfare the financial system Mm -hmm. you also look at things like the housing crisis right and immigration so anything that's kind of um in the news yeah yeah but we've got the series of what we've done now is is get a series of correspondence on on certain issues so we've got someone on welfare we've got someone on undercover policing and spy cops uh, we've got someone doing global women's issues. And these are people who have already done journalism in these areas. So, you know, I'm really, really, really proud to have these so people on board. specialised correspondents. Yeah, yeah. And um, how did it all start? It's got to quite a big point now. There's quite a lot of people involved, right? <laughs> we're, yeah, we're definitely growing and have a good team together now. Um, I guess it started... I did journalism at university and I did a joint with music business. And by the end of it, I... I had a few problems with the way that the media was set up. I mean, this is stuff that I learned as I went along, but um, in terms of who was staffing it, some of, you know, people who own the media, this kind of, I started being really interested in that side of things and how these kind of narratives that exist, how they're perpetuated. So you became more sceptical the more you kind of knew about it? Pretty much. Um, And it was also thinking about what I wanted to write. I do love writing and I don't want to turn that into something I don't like doing. So I was thinking about what kind of positions were available to someone like me. Um, So I kind of knocked it on the head for about eight months and just didn't do any writing. And then when we started to see some of the gaps between what was happening in in welfare and people's perceptions and what was really happening, a stream of poverty porn coming out at the time. and and So when you say poverty porn, like things like TV programmes about... Yeah, yeah, so like, what is it? The Daily Uh, Mail articles. Daily Mail articles, the benefit cheat sensationalism. There was, you know, stuff like Benefit Street and so on. All these things that are really characterisations of these people. And yet nowhere in any of this did you find people who had been sanctioned and, you know, or people who were ill who'd been wrongfully sanctioned. All these stories were were never told. Instead, it was really just playing off um, poor people off against one each each other. And And so you wanted to put out an alternative. Yeah, so, yeah, we started blogging about welfare and how it was reported in the media and then just going out and speaking to to people, so people like disabled people against cuts or... um, giving the viewpoint from someone who's been at a job centre and how they were treated. Because in the background, you've got all these statistics about the fact that sanctions have increased so much, you know, and the Ken Loach film that's come out recently, it's so bizarre that that had to... Yeah, I, Daniel Blake. That that had to be something that a film director had to come along and present something that was actually more realistic than what we've seen. So the statistics kind of showed one picture, but then the stories that were picked out to be reported weren't representative of the bigger picture. And so you were doing a blog, and was that real media? That was real fair. That's what we called it at the time. (laughs) And was that just you? Um, It was me and a friend who was kind of intermittent, and then I got a couple of people, I started getting people approaching me to write something for it. And I also asked Tom, who's now become kind of my partner for real media to start writing for us and that's where those kind of ideas came from and when was that was that recently a couple of years ago um so 
I guess we, it was before the election, we decided that we wanted to do some kind of campaign about the media. Um, and we got small, we got a bit of funding from the Network for Social Change to do a, a basic campaign and set up a, a site. And during that time, we spoke to other independent media about what you think, you know, we should be doing, how can we combat this kind of stuff, and started building relationships um, with people. And, and then after that, we kind of, we, I suppose we spent a year messing around, seeing what we could do, what we could pull together, uh, what contacts we had, getting better at doing other stories. And, and were you posting regularly at that time? Did you do like a story a week or how did you? Yeah, we had two or three things coming out every week. We weren't um, as consistent as we are now because we kind of built the team together. But that was seeing what kind of issues we should be approaching um, getting contacts within those areas and, yeah, getting kind of a new sense for what's happening in those places as well. And was that all written by you and Tom? Uh, you had contributors back then as well. Yeah, yeah, we had a few people coming in and then it was about saying, OK, we all want to do this together, so getting commitment from everyone and saying, let's, you know, do this properly. And how did you find all your contributors? Um, they've come to us in... Uh, different ways I guess uh, for example Ranjan who I'm going to be doing a lot of the finance stuff with he worked at uh, he did some work with like Debt Resistance UK he was um, did some of the research around the Lobos scandal which is to do with councils being ripped off by banks in, in loans um, Gary who, he's like an anarchist and he wrote these you know so he's the, like a full-time activist <laughs> he's, he's an anarchist yeah pretty much cool. um, and he he writes like incredible... The thing I love about some of the stuff that we're putting out is that it's great writing and I really, really get excited about the stuff that that people are contributing and he, you know, he tackles really big issues like... Um, he, did, he recently did one about criminalisation of, of rave culture to do with fabric, but previously he's done digital rights um, and autonomous weapons, so it's really... There's there's no limit to the kind of the wow. subjects he tackles yeah and what are your what gets the most hits what are your most popular stories or topics um we had a lot of success with doing some of the finance i did like an investigation last year 2015 yep um and that was to do with actually rbs and them stripping small businesses uh, for profit and that's actually a story that's now had further proof in a buzzfeed article recently um so do you think people kind of use your site a little bit as a kind of grassroots kind of news thing? Kind of people sometimes recycle some of your stories where, that you've written kind <laughs> of it's b- certain, first-hand. It's certainly... We've certainly had um, stories that we've done that have come out, you know, uh, later on in the mainstream press when we were doing welfare stuff. We spent a year trying to get um, <clears throat> job centre advisors to speak to us, but... They're also, you know, operating in a kind of culture of fear and, and, and they're worried about speaking out. And some of them get have to sign things Whistle that say, blowing. yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, that's some, that's definitely something that we, a kind of group of people we want to protect. But we finally got two people to speak to us. And then kind of a few months after that, a few more were kind of speaking out in the press. So we've definitely been on to some things that have uh, kind of burst. Yeah, yeah, after you did them. And like, how does it work financially? Do you pay your contributors and how do you bring in money to keep it all going? We... Because you're not full time, <laughs> are you, Cam? I am not, Naomi. <laughs> um, you're doing all this in your spare time and what one day? Yeah, so I work four days um, at a label and 
we are kind of, yeah, and I'm editing the site. A music label. Yeah, a music label. So completely unrelated. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess it's quite good because um, it's totally different from what I was doing. If if I was doing writing, maybe that would drain me of, of being able to focus on this, but I kind of come to it with fresh energy and... Uh, you know, I do enjoy my job at the label, um, but I guess with the funding, we've looked at places. The thing is, we do such political stuff that it's really, really difficult to get funding because people don't. You know, it's strange, but people... is it because the bodies that give out grants are kind of partisan themselves, or yeah, is there just not that much money going around? Or I think well, both of those things, um, and people don't want to. It's a difficult line to walk because this idea about um, because we're tackling the media as well, as well. The media is something that kind of projects what we think about all these different areas, so it interacts with all these issues. I mean, we're doing a series of events now, like on race in the media, environment in the media, um, and bias and all these things. It interacts with all issues, but yet I think organisations are worried that you're kind of coming at it from a particular point, political point of view, even though we'd say our generally our kind of values are about creating more context, more nuance. But we might, you know, but even just by doing that or, say, or saying that, you might seem to be more left. Um, we definitely are. We do kind of swing to the left in terms of the people who are in, in the organisation. We do have some right-wingers too, but um, organisations are worried about funding, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but we have found some bits of funding. Uh, places like Lush have been really helpful. The soap shop? That's right, yeah. <laughs> they oh, do. Really? They do. Um, they give out £40,000 worth of um, funding every month, uh, but I think you can apply for a maximum of £4,000 each time, so they try and give to as many organisations as possible, and particularly grassroots organisations. Yeah. So that's really, really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so you kind of you get by and you and do people kind of devote their time as well to it yeah we do I mean we do have a lot of good friends who who donate a lot of their time we do try and pay all of we're trying to get to a stage where we're paying all of our contributors um, or at least giving you know some kind of fee because I, I mean this is something that we're gonna have to figure out even the big media organizations like vice even you know even as a new media player We've they're, seen lots of struggling cuts. to yeah. find a business model in the internet age. Exactly, exactly. So it's even the big players don't really have an answer to this. So it's for us to kind of think, well, we need to figure this out. And um, I mean, there's some models in the US that are working really well for like they're kind of further along in their inter- independent media um, kind of world. It's much more vibrant. There's lots of players that have been there for a long time. Someone like the Young Turks. It's all kind of subscription funding, and it's from their readers. But they're now becoming quite an influential uh, media station, and famously did like a long interview with Bernie Sanders that got over like a million hits within however many hours. So there's the possibility for doing this stuff, and the US is definitely somewhere I look for some of the inspiration. Maybe not for other things, <laughs> but in independent media. Um, and I always give this example of uh, there's this podcast called This Week in Blackness, and it's a uh, really charismatic guy called Elon James White and I interviewed him a few months ago and he just talks about issues black people have to face in terms of their representation in the media but also quite funny and he said that he started out trying to be a entertainment style space but he found that his audience wanted to have these conversations about some some serious things interested in some real kind of real life exactly exactly yeah and they and they tackled you know serious issues and he said and that was more popular than the exactly and stuff. Yep, yep. And the 
some of the people who are kind of in Black Lives Matter now have said that they were politicised through listening to his programme. So, like, that's, like, you know, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the times we live in, I don't think it's (laughs) surprising that some people are kind of getting more involved with... Absolutely, absolutely. ..with trying to make a difference. Can you tell me about some real mega highlights and maybe that interview was one of them um, Mm. and real positive things that you've been doing recently or you've achieved so far um yeah so we that act that podcast actually inspired me to do a uk kind of version of it where we have uh me galane who's from media diversified and elijah who's a political advisor to do a monthly show where we just talk about issues and you know gosh when i first started it i thought will we have enough to talk about and then you know in those months we've had like brexit and all of these things kick off and you know we've had an increase in hostility towards immigration and all these things. So I'm really learning oh God, loads from yeah. that. Yeah. Well, from starting the site in, what, 2012, the news has just been <laughs> unimaginably Absolutely. intense Absolutely. as to what you could have imagined when you started out. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. There's plenty of material. Yeah. Um, I must have reinforced as well to you that you'd, it was a good idea to... Yeah, certainly. That's, I mean, that's probably one of the most rewarding aspects is thinking at least, you know, we're working towards something that's different and talking about, you know, I think it's really important for us in the UK to regain an idea about what kind of future we want because at the moment, you know, we're just kind of taking what's being given to us and I think it's really important to think about what we should be working towards and talking about those ideas. Um, and do you know who your kind of readers and your fans are? Are they mainly kind of younger people, people our generation, or is it a real mix? Um, we, it's certainly a real mix. Uh, we target kind of younger people, students, but we also now with kind of the shows that we're doing, for example, that podcast or the stuff about finance, we're picking up different kinds of audiences, Yeah, uh, which is really, really interesting. And, and we want to make sure that it's not, you know, that people get to access different sorts of things and it's not just, you know, for example, that podcast, it's not just that we talk about these issues about race, but we also are interested in finance and we also are interested in welfare. It's about painting a picture of the world um, as it is. But, yeah, it's it's exciting. In terms of other things that have been cool, we did. I just did an interview with Amir Rahman, who's like an Australian comedian who's super, super cool. Um, that's up on the site. And we're also doing a tour at the moment, which is, as I said, yeah, speaking about different subjects. And we've got people from different independent organisations and some really great um, ideas being shared. And it's, we're trying to also so each, build that so the, community. The tour is like a series of different live events. That's what, is it like a panel talk or? Yep. So we, we try and do two nights in each city. So it's 10 cities. We're about six, five, six in now. Um, and the first evening is an de- evening of debate with a series of panellists. Um, and then the, the next evening we have media training for anyone who wants it in terms of how to shape your message, how to get things out on social media or, or into the mainstream, or how to deal with difficult questions for campaigners. Uh, and that's been done by Jamie Kelsey Fry, who's a contributing editor to The New Internationalist. And who's that for? That's for anyone who goes along. They can just have a free training session. Yep, yep. I mean, it's mainly we've targeted it for activists and people who are working on campaigns to get a bit of training into how to use the media and how to create your own. Amazing. And what tips and advice would you give to anyone listening right now who's looking to set up their own uh, socially minded something? Mm -hmm. And what have you learned 
along the way that you're um, always going to put into practice now you know it I think if you're starting out that it's a really good idea to try and specialize in something and something that interests you with welfare it was really good because people are willing really willing to speak to me and it's good to go out there and make contacts in that area and it also helps you understand how power works so I was kind of understanding how these policies were being rolled out how they were being pushed through how they were sold to people versus you know the impact it was having on people and you know practice your writing you've got to write and you've got to read um I think it's really important to read the kind of journalism you think is important and I you know I still do that I'm working on a couple of long pieces at the moment and at the weekends I always make sure I read and make it personal as well would that be a- yeah yeah absolutely go out and meet people and and you've got to figure out what's important and and how to tell a story and sometimes what you think is important or what is a story might be different to what's being told in the media so it's about spending enough time with people and being involved in your area that you're able to translate that that's kind of your job so yeah and set deadlines oh my god because if it's (laughs) self-managed you need to you need to like give yourself a reason to do it and stick to them so do you have quite a big schedule then that you book things into and you make yourself yeah we're trying to get super organized with that now and we're kind of planning a few weeks ahead which is great because it also means that we can plan around uh, actions or campaigns that are happening and it gives us more chance to to feed into them and do more in-depth stuff so yeah we've got some really really exciting stuff coming up wow i, d- I honestly don't understand how you fit it all <laughs> around your job it's like you've got extra Beyonce hours in the week that's a cool term Beyonce hours Beyonce has well it's a meme isn't it you have the same number of hours in the day as Beyonce that's true but she achieves disproportionately more than (laughs) most people let's put it that way very true um and any other tips any like like logistical getting things happening organizing events and tours <laughs> um i guess or a social tip yeah i guess it's 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 really good to find a team it's difficult sometimes working with people especially you know in the early days you're also asking people to work for free it's you know it's really difficult and you've got to find people who perhaps share the same did you vision find it hard to sell it to people or did you find it people really were wanting to get involved well i think at the start when i very when the very first time that we started real fair i almost didn't really want anyone to read it because i was like i haven't written anything in about a year and i'm awful and i don't really know about this subject yet so i think it's really important to have that time to yourself anyway but um Just over time it. you know it, it it built up its own reputation so i was getting you know people who were studying phds who were like can i submit an article about this um or people who are coming from kind of different walks of life saying, or I would approach people and they would be up for it because once you've kind of shown that you can do it, that you will keep doing it and that you're consistent then, uh, and that you are reaching out to people who are involved in those areas, then it's much easier for you to approach people. And then it kind of gets a bit more momentum and goes for there. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, uh, well, thank you so much no for problem. chatting to us and thank coming you. in. It's so, so interesting. <laughs> I can't tell you, honestly, and uh, really inspirational. So, Oh, thank you. I appreciate you coming by. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. That was Cam telling us all about her big idea, Real Media. Don't forget to subscribe on Acast, iTunes or your favourite podcast app. 
And remember to check out our other podcast, These Four Walls from ASOS Magazine. Thanks for listening. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.